Yeah, not about double vision this or week. Or any foreigner song. Or any foreigner song. It's about the double features. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from madwolf.com. And we are back live at the Gateway Film Center, High Street in Columbus, Ohio. And this is this is extra exciting. We've got so much going on tonight. Uh, we are going to talk about our favorite horror, non-horror double features from the same director. So we've got... A great couple of them to watch. And we just found out today that we'll look at a little pre-show. We've got the brand new music video uh, for Radiohead, which is directed by one of our favorites, Paul Thomas Anderson. And in 35 millimeter. And you know why? Why? Because Gateway loves us. Because they love us. They do. They got us a 35 millimeter print of Kill List. They're opening High Rise a day early just for us. And we get to be the place where the the event where they premiere the Paul Thomas Anderson Radiohead video. Yeah, so we got a great night coming up tonight. But you know what? Last week we talked about home invasion horror on the podcast, and I think that that seemed to touch a nerve. It really did. I think you're right. And something that we actually mentioned uh, when we were talking about them is that they th- those those particular horror films are um, less fantastical right they're they're not supernatural uh there's not monsters it's they're they're very realistic and, and, and it's funny because the reaction we got even some of our longtime listeners people who are really big horror fans the howards for example hadn't seen any of those movies yeah. and it's because it, they do they hit a little close to home they do and uh, some of the situations in those movies we talked about very uncomfortable yeah very uncomfortable i could really really um delve into people's actual Fears, yeah, uh, yeah, that, and, and, like and you not, said, could really happen. Not in a way that has that sort of layer of sef- safety that makes it very fictional. These are, are yeah, they're they're a little too. And and our number one funny games, which was actually number one and two because it was either right. the original or the. Um, a lot of people, while I I don't think there's any arguing that it's a brilliant film, a lot of people hate that movie yeah. because it just frustrates, it upsets you, and then it's over. <laughs> there's yeah. no resolution that's happy. I mean, it's just like, oh, and, God. And it intentionally <clears throat> pokes the audience throughout the whole thing. Yeah. It just, hey, you, you're involved in this, and it makes, you, it makes it even doubly uncomfortable, which I think is what adds to its brilliance. Right. But uh, I can definitely see that. A lot of people do not like those movies at all. And right on time, we got a nice um, link uh, pointed out by uh, Brandon. Yes. Longtime Fright Clubber Brandon. Yeah, I'm excited about this about one. I can't wait for it to come out now. A new uh, home invasion horror movie coming out that has a very familiar gimmick, I guess I should say. Sure. Is that the, the um, home invasion, the home, is inhabited by a blind person. Now, this time it's a blind man, an older blind man. And, of course, you hear that, and you immediately think, wait until dark. Which uh, we did talk about a little bit last yeah, week. Which we, which we talked a little bit about, Audrey Hepburn, and then uh, the young Alan Arkin uh, <laughs> breaking in. But um, So I'm guessing that this one will probably be a lot more intense. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks intense. So, you know, you can take an... You, and uh, it's the same director who remade uh, Evil Dead. I know you loved the Evil Dead remake. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. So uh, you can definitely take a classic idea like that and give it a new healthy spin. For so sure. you know, fingers are crossed. That one, uh, that one could be fun. Don't breathe. I don't think we do. We have a release date on that. No. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So thanks for all the great comments. Um, I was, I guess, a little surprised about the the amount of um, nerve touching that this, <laughs> the home invasion horror did. But it's a good topic. So it yeah. Is. So thanks a lot. I definitely saw that as one of our more popular. Uh, podcast in a while. And speaking of, boy, you know, we love 
getting feedback. We always talk about that. Hit us up on Twitter, and, and we, we humbly ask if you feel so moved to, uh, to chime in with a um, rating on iTunes. We love you. Mm-hmm. But, boy, we got a, such a great letter. Yeah, we got an email. He emailed us directly. Dave did just last week, a couple days ago, actually. Um, you know, and he uh, had been looking for a horror podcast and uh, to keep him from getting bored as he drove to and from work. And he stumbled on ours, and he loves it. So welcome, Dave, and thanks for letting us know. Is that your brother, Dave? No, it's not my brother, Dave, <laughs> because he would not know how to use the internet to find something, nor would he have any idea how to come up with a podcast. No, Dave. Thank you for those kind words, and uh, I'm glad to have you as a fright clubber. And maybe one day we'll see you here at the Gateway when we do this Fright Club Live uh, in future months. But we got a great one coming up tonight. Uh, we're going to start out with the director that uh, we are spotlighting tonight, and it's a double feature, horror, non-horror, from Ben Wheatley. And we're going to start with our first movie tonight, and that is Kill List. They're bad people. We should suffer. How many of you have seen this movie? It's just brilliant. It's such a great film. Well, I'm so excited that we get a chance to see it today. Yeah, very excited. And that is because every time we've talked about this movie, we always come back to that phrase. Because I, I think for you too, but definitely for me, when they say that early on, we don't want to give away too much. That the just turned everything yeah. on its head. Yeah, it absolutely does. Because it's funny. It starts off uh, just a really well-crafted, kind of you know gritty indie crime thriller out of Britain. You know, And uh, I love those. I'm all about those. I'm a Guy Ritchie fan. But then all of a sudden, it just takes this weird hard left. And you spend the whole rest of the time going... What in the hell is happening right now? But in in, in the most satisfying way, those <laughs> Very, impenetrable accents, they don't really help with the sleuthing, just FYI. But uh, it's still, it's really one of my favorite movies. Yeah, and there's such a, a weird mystery going on, like what the heck is happening? And it leads to an ending that I think for a lot of people brings up more questions. Yeah, I, I mean, think so too. It also brings... But it, not in a bad way. No, not in a bad way. It also calls to mind some, some other movies, maybe a little Wicker Man, maybe a little... Uh, I think that we should not tell them what other movies it calls to mind. Okay. Well, one that I was just talking with Maya about earlier. and I will, So Maya knows, we'll but the rest of that. you... <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's so well done. I love movies that become almost become a different genre yes. within their own you yep. know, running time. And, yeah. this, and this one certainly does. And, uh, and it really announced Ben Wheatley. He'd made one film before this, A Field Nigla, which is great. Um, but it really announced him as a, as a, a directing presence. And then to later, the, uh, the double feature that we recommend, obviously, because it's the one we're showing, is, uh, is Kill Us in High Rise. What are you doing in there? Lang was satisfied with life in the high rise. He felt able to relax, more in charge of himself. I put all my energies into this time. You built all this. The ones who were the real danger were the self-contained types like you. One thing was certain. Lang would surrender to a logic more powerful than reason. project has been floating around forever because it's one of those, I guess, books that people thought for one reason or another, oh, you can't film that. Right. That's just... Which, well, J.G. Ballard, you know, it's almost like, you know, uh, people thought you couldn't make Naked Lunch. You know, people just... there Or are that certain, Cloud Atlas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me that Ben Wheatley tried uh, uh, Cronenberg, 
my beloved Cronenberg. <laughs> he did make a Ballard's Crash a few years ago. Yeah. I, I mean, it's actually, it's probably the only David Cronenberg film I don't care for, to be honest with you. But um, I do like Ballard, but he doesn't translate to the film very well, to film very well, I don't think. But I, I really think that Wheatley did a great job with it. I think that um, it is chaos. Uh, and we're not going to say very much about that film because everybody's going to watch it. Not very many people have had the chance to see it because it doesn't open until this weekend. So we're not going to talk too much about it except to say that it is sort of – it's just lunacy. It's just lunacy. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I think the project, the rights to the book have been floating around Hollywood since the 70s uh, with the different directors, including Nicholas Rogue, attached to different adaptations. And finally now uh, comes to the big screen. But it – and even though it is, I think you just mentioned on demand, it's so good that you're getting a chance to see it on the big screen. It looks fantastic. It does look fantastic. The, the uh, performances are great. Yes. And it's just this grand social experiment right. within this high rise. So, again, we'll leave it at that. But and that, a lot of people are very excited. Somebody I know of who's right there with curly hair, Tom Hiddleston. He's <laughs> a very popular young man. But Jeremy Irons kills me well, in this yeah. movie. Oh, my God. He's so great. Yeah, it, it probably is of no surprise that he... Almost, almost steals the, the film. He's so great uh, as kind of the architect behind the whole thing. So yes, that's our that's our um, double feature tonight. Ben Wheatley. You know what for- though? If you ever, I mean, there are so many really great, really great directors who also made horror films, or vice versa, like really great horror film directors who moved out and branched out into something more mainstream. You know that that didn't make the list, but that are awesome. At one that I'm going to recommend, <clears throat> Jeremy Saulnier. Because if you feel like seeing The Green Room, which is currently playing here at the Gateway Film Center, yeah, yeah. you totally should. Good stuff. How huh? awesome is Green Room? And then, for like a color-coordinated double bill, Blue Ruin, which was his movie from a couple years ago, <laughs> which is just awesome. Yeah. You know, really, really great. Or, you know, you can go Scorsese. Uh, you know, dips into the horror with Cape Fear, mm-hmm. and then you can just circle right back to Taxi Driver. There are a lot of, obviously, Scorsese movies, but let's be honest, Taxi Driver is the one you want to watch. Yeah, there are. There are definitely a lot to I mean, choose from I mean, there's so here. many. But uh, that's our we skipped to number four. That's our Ben Wheatley uh, twofer for number five and number four. We go to another director we've talked a lot about on what? the uh, Fright Club podcast, New Zealand's own Peter Jackson, and that is Dead Alive. On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, something horrifying is haunting Lionel. Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got. Has caught on with the neighbors. How do you kill something that's already dead? Your mother ain't a girl! Dead alive. (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit of blood in that movie a little bit in fact, I, I think probably until the the recent uh, remake of uh, evil dead that was regarded as the bloodiest movie ever right? it was it was actually and and especially you know, that lawnmower that, scene. yeah it's the lawnmower scene that puts it over the top that's easily my favorite scene oh poor lionel cosgrove oh i love him so much just milk toasty lionel cosgrove and then my favorite thing is uh, the scene if you're not familiar his mom his oppressive mom she follows him on a date to the zoo, and she gets bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey. So don't mistake it for an ugly lump of clay or some sort of mutant muppet because it's a dangerous varmint. Oh, my God. And then, um, you know, Peter Jackson, who went on to be just, you know, Lord of the Rings dude and everything and obviously very, very well regarded, and he's just got a whole garage full of Oscars. But I love his early movies because – and this is – the best, I mean, for his first two movies were just... Nuts. 
just bloody, yeah. stupid in a great way. Bloody just, and stupid. I mean, you know, he just invented the, the Kiwi Splatter horror films, which is, you know, and, and uh, they've gone on afterwards to make millions. Not, they've made many. There are not that many people who live there, so very few filmmakers, honestly. But um, it's really sort of, uh, the, the, it's their horror output. It's really, and, and he was the one who made that mark for them, which is great. Um, and then the second movie that we're going to talk about that we pair this up with, which is really funny. If you've seen this movie... You really have to watch his very next effort right after you finish watching this. Because the next film he made is Heavenly Creatures. Mrs. Reaper, may I come in? Your daughter appears to have formed a rather unwholesome attachment to Julia. We're not going to be separated. (laughs) I know what to do about Mother. We don't want to go to too much trouble. Some sort of accident. It's all frightfully romantic. Honestly, I know how many Oscars he's won. For me, Heavenly Creatures is his masterpiece. It is a really perfectly put together film. And it's a true it's a true crime t- tale. But it's not lurid, and when what they really explore is just sort of uh the hysteria of of you know, adolescence and, and adolescent best friendship. And uh, he, he, he kind of introduced the world to Kate Winslet. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, no. Well, you got to hold that line for uh, when I oh, say sorry. kill list. <laughs> Thank you. See, you're jumping the gun. Um, yeah, it's, it's the debut of Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky. And they both were cast, well, obviously they're talented, but also for their physical uh, appearance. They were both close to the real girls involved in the story, Ooh. and they really kept everything. They used parts of the script came right from the girls' diaries. Wow, um, it's very, very true to the case. But like you said, it's not lurid at all, even no, though and, it's a very unsettling murder tale. And I think you know Peter Jackson's um, imagination. You know, the, the film goes into elements that are that are absolute fantasy, and uh, and and it it's, it's just his ability to to do that. His just vivid imagination, I think, it didn't seem false given this sort of, you know, insanity uh, where the girls went, where their obsession took them, and the sort of this fantasy life that they were living that seemed very real enough to them that they would commit a murder. Um, and it's just a it's just a beautiful, brilliant, amazing film. Yeah, and it was also filmed, most of the filming locations were right there where it all happened. I mean, yeah. so they kept yeah. it extremely authentic. And when you're talking about a Peter Jackson double feature, you would think we would do... One of the Lord of the Rings. But Why didn't we? Because I haven't seen any of yeah, them. Yeah, he won't. He Not totally a won't. one. Not one. I know, right? And I say that. And you call yourself <laughs> I get a, a movie nerd. a little bit of applause. Nerd. I get a little love back there. No. Um, I do that just to get those gasps. Yeah. Because somebody just, somebody just asked me the other day, somebody at work said, is there any, any movie that everybody else loves, everybody else has seen, that you haven't seen? I was like, yes, any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. So there you go. You know, have at it. You can, you know, throw your stone. But it, but <laughs> I hear I'm you, sure brother. They're great. But but truly, if you haven't seen Heavenly Creatures, it really is uh, really is worth checking out. And that is part two of our of our Peter. And if you haven't Peter seen Jackson Dead Alive, get on it. Or Brain Dead. You might find it by Brain yeah. Dead, right? Yeah. Uh, from 1992. So that's number four in our double feature entry. And we're moving along up to number three, her beloved David Cronenberg. And we'll start with Scanners. There are four billion people on Earth. 237 are Scanners. They'll control your mind, conquer your will, manipulate your body like a toy. 
you begin to self-destruct. You pray it will end, and it will. Scanners, their thoughts can kill. I know, it's the exploding head scene that, that always gets you, but it's also the horrendous acting. Oh, stop it. Come on. All right. Now, Michael Ironside, actually. He's all right. Yeah, he's on fire in this movie. I mean, not he's just he's just rabid, you know. And uh, and he also he almost always comes off that way. And certainly, uh, it fits this character. It fits this character so well. And you know, Cronenberg uh, has made a million really great movies. A lot of them horror movies. And I just chose this one because it's just it was like the one that really put him on the map globally. Um, it's not necessarily his best movie. I mean, obviously not his best movie, but it's not necessarily his best horror movie either. But it's um, always fun to watch, especially watch with George because he spends the whole time like shaking his head. The whole you know that guy. <laughs> he's so bad. Oh, like, he's no worse than Jennifer O'Neill. All right. But uh, I think back in 2007, uh, they had announced that they were going to make um, another one, uh, a remake of the film. But uh, it, it really didn't get very far because the, the producer uh, who had the rights said he wasn't going to make it without Cronenberg's blessing, which he did not get. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, me either. No, yeah. I don't see. Yeah, I don't see. Which is kind of funny because he made a remake. The Fly was a remake, but I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't could see, see this being ripe for a remake. Though. Sure, the movie that uh, we think that you should watch. So I think the all-time greatest David Cronenberg film, Eastern Promises. If the diary should find its way to the police. Okay, boss. You don't have to worry. Police won't find anything. She was fourteen, just just a child. Forget when you this ever happened. Stay away from people like me. But you've read the diary. How can you keep doing what you're doing? I need to know who you are. Show some respect. This is respect. If you watched any Lord of the Rings movies, you would have a broader experience of how great Viggo Mortensen is in movies. But he was nominated for an Oscar for Eastern Promises, and rightly so. He was just magnificent. The entire cast is so great. Well, um, I do know this, and this might help me on the nerd scale. Um, in Eastern Promises, Viggo plays a, a, a guy who's uh, part of the Russian, the Russian mob, and a lot of their uh, in prison life, they have to get all these tattoos, these prison tattoos. So... He's, uh, he's Every tattoo tells your sin. Exactly. He's shirtless a lot, and of course, in the famous naked scene, he's naked. Um, but one of the tattoos you can see is the, what's it called, elf, elfish? Elvish? The, El- yeah, elvish. elvish. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, the, everybody that worked on Lord of the Rings, the <laughs> cast, they got one, an actual tattoo, so you can see that. It's there on, among his, well, all his prison tattoos. Some tattoo artists made a ton of money because there are like 400,000 people in that cast. <laughs> well, maybe all the, the major players. Yeah. But, uh, so that, you know, I had to get a little bit of a Lord of the Rings trivia yeah. in there. So there it is. There but you you're go. right. It's a great movie. The, 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 the yeah. excellent Vincent Cassell. The always excellent Vincent Naomi Cassell. Naomi Watts. Oh, yeah. Armin Müller-Stahl, he's the one. He just, oh my God, he's terrifying and amazing. He's such a great, yeah. Just it's all menace. part. Of a, a young girl's diary falls into the hands of Naomi Watts, and uh, it has secrets in it that the head of this Russian mob does not want to get out. And uh, it's it's tense and so so well acted and so well shot. It's it's really one. And it's one you, of the first. It's out. one of the first one of his mainstream films where it's hard to tell it's a Cronenberg film except yeah. for this one scene early on when this fourteen year old pregnant girl walks into a grocery store and then just gives birth and you're like, oh no, I know this guy. Yeah, body horror. This is the scanners guy. All yeah, over yeah. The place. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's it's really one. You're right. For a lot of it, it doesn't seem like a typical Cronenberg yeah. movie, but boy, it's it's so well done. It is, and uh, and definitely second part of our Cronenberg horror non horror uh, double feature. That's from yeah from '07, Eastern Promises. So let's go up one more and number two on our list: the great Stanley Kubrick, and we start with The Shining. Mr. Grady, you were the caretaker here. I recognize you. I saw your picture in the newspapers. You, uh, chopped your wife and daughter up into little bits. And uh, then you blew your brains out. I'm sorry to differ with you, sir. But you... Oh, the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir. I've always been here. The Shining, which we've talked about a lot, obviously. It's one of the, the granddaddies of them all it for, is. for such good reason. Yeah. We actually had an argument, and it's funny because a lot of times people will uh, get upset with me about where I fall on whether a film is a horror movie or a non-horror movie. I get a lot of angry tweets about, what? and sometimes these really nice men pick fights with me and their wives Some have of to them stop are in it. this room. <clears throat> about how I you know, think a movie falls on, on the scale. And it's a funny thing because uh, my all-time favorite uh, Kubrick film is A Clockwork Orange. Actually, it's one of my all-time favorite films of, of anybody's. Um, I wanted that to be our horror movie. I wanted it to be the one that we did instead of The Shining. And uh, he said it's not a horror movie. Yeah, I don't consider A Clockwork Orange a horror movie. There are certainly horrific elements in it. Singing yeah. in the rain. Yeah, I, I, this me personally. So I don't know. But then he wouldn't let me let it be the non-horror one. He had to have this one. You're acting. You're acting like I have some control over this. <laughs> I wouldn't let her. The fact is, she threw me the, this one bone because the second part of the Kubrick film is one of my all all time favorites. But before we get to that, I mean, The Shining. You know what else can be said? It's so it's so perfect. Uh, in so many ways, it, it is. Yeah, um, you get all the iconic images that have, have that have become, you know, the guy in the bear suit. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and of course the creepy twins. That's everybody's favorite, right? The creepy, the twins. creepy twins. The blood. Blood Crazy. usually gets off on the third floor. What? All the different crazy theories that people have about what it means. So uh, that one definitely Stanley Kubrick, nineteen eighties, The Shining, and the the one that. I somehow, we, we arm wrestled, I guess, that I won this argument. A masterpiece to me is from 1968, 2001, A Space Odyssey. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. We are all foolproof and incapable of error. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. Such a great movie. I think one of the science fiction masterpieces still today. Although, when it came out in 68, it did not get a good reception. Uh, in fact, Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the short story it's based on, uh, said, if you understand the film completely, we failed. We wanted to raise far more questions than we answered. And I think that's probably true. Yeah. But it's, it's beautifully shot. So much of it, I think it has about uh, well over an hour of dialogue-free 
yeah. uh, scenes. Yeah, but there are amazing. just such iconic visuals, uh, scenes. You've got Hal. You've got uh, all the you know the eyeball blinking and then going into the uh, the black hole full of stars. That's the thing so about I love Hal, it. though. Hal is scary as shit. You know, I Hal mean, is great. Hal yeah. is so terrifying. And then, I mean, and in, in such a, a, a perfect way, uh, you know, very famously, uh, Hannibal Lecter. That's what he, he, the uh, calm based demeanor. The calm. Yeah. And also I think, uh, Kevin Spacey and moon is, I mean, clearly is clearly oh, based on, very based much on so. Hal. I mean, I think that, uh, so. there are so many things about this film that are iconic, but for me personally, I think Hal is probably the thing that, that, that stays with you the longest. Yeah. And then you told great me something movie. fascinating. Obviously, the score from this is brilliant and amazing, right? But originally, he wanted Pink Floyd to do the score. How cool would that have been? Yeah, they were approached about that. Would have been about, so cool. But it's it's hard to imagine now without that. The, 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 Maybe the, if we the got really theme. high, we could imagine it. <laughs> I bet we could. <laughs> and then we'll put on the Wizard of Oz and we'll just bake, man. <laughs> But uh, 2001, that is part two of our, our Stanley Kubrick double feature. Um, one more to go, and it is William Friedkin at the top. And, of course, we're going to go with The Exorcist. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that. The sour is mine. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. The power of Christ compels you. It might be my favorite horror movie ever, really. It's pretty near flawless. And it's kind of funny how well it has aged. Uh, and, it's, and I think some of the scenes that were the most iconic when it first came out with the head turning and the, the soup spitting and all, those don't age as well. But then there are other scenes. Yeah, the crucifix. Yikes. Yeah. And, you know, Captain Howdy. I mean, there are so many things about that well, movie. And one know? of the things I love the best is, is it's... It's slow build. It really oh, yeah. takes a long time to get going, which uh, nowadays you don't see as much no, because you don't. it really tries. I think today's audiences, a lot of them want you want to get at it. You know, this one builds very, very slowly. And and Friedkin does it beautifully with the way he uses his camera in the early early. Uh, you know, when they're out in the desert in these huge, glorious, wide shots, and then when they're running around the streets of Washington and the streets of New York, and they come in a little bit. But then when they're in the bedroom, it's like you're so yeah. close, and it's That's so what it does. cold and Slowly. uncomfortable and cramped. It just brings. You're just, yep. it's like, first you're just all this room, and then it's like, yep. devil is right here! Right. And you can find really one of the creepy. One of the many, many things that he does so well for that movie. But the second part, I don't know how many of you are aware of this movie, but man, it, we love it. And it's uh, William Friedkin from 2011, Matthew McConaughey. He should have been the nominated beginning for of an the Oscar McConaissance. For this, called Killer Joe. Mom's got a $50,000 life insurance policy. Killer Joe's a professional. I'll do this right. My payment is $25,000 in cash. No exceptions. That's not our problem. What is your problem? We have a problem with the advance. No exceptions. Conversation is finished. Of course, we never discussed the possibility of a retainer. Hey, man, you talking about my sister? Is that who she is? It smells heavenly. Who would like to say grace? Hard to believe from watching that trailer. It is so darkly funny. It is. I mean, the, the night I saw it, I think it was in, in this theater, I was sitting in the top row just laughing, and there was stone silence, and the rest of them like, oh, this is funny, people. It's funny. And McConaughey is fantastic. Oh, my God. You'll, he's you, so great. The whole never, cast. Gina Gershon. <gasps> you'll never look at fried chicken the same way again, oh let me tell God. you that. Or but, canned uh, pumpkin. Or canned pumpkin, wow. yeah. Yeah, that Damn. is definitely one to check out. Uh, Killer Joe, that's William Friedkin from 2011. And that is our top horror, non-horror tandem. All right, we got to get out of the way. we got to get this going. Uh, but we've got some great stuff coming up soon. 
We do. In a couple of weeks, we are going to join another Columbus-based horror movie podcast called Get It Together. Pete Stroop and Dave Huff. We are going to go on their podcast and talk about Sleepaway Camp, which one of us likes a lot better than the other one. <laughs> and then they're going to be on. Uh, they're going to be our, on our podcast where we're going to talk about coming of age horror. Yeah, nice. And I guess what they do, uh, their twist is that on their podcast, they give advice to the characters and in the ridiculous situations that they find themselves. So that and should there be fun. Are plenty of ridiculous situations oh, in sleepaway camp. There are plenty. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that should be fun. A little cross promotion there. That's always good. And actually, as as, as far as that goes, we are going to do some some uh, uh, podcast hopping with Corey. Our uh, senior Aussie correspondent, Corey Metcalf, he's got the triple cast over on Golden Spiral Media. He's going to be on our show, and we're going to be on his show, and we're going to talk some slasher sequels. All right. He loves those slashers. He does. I'll tell you what. Okay, all that's coming up. As we said, keep the conversation going. Hit us up on Twitter at Mad Wolf, Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook, and uh, we got to get to it. Great night tonight at the Gateway Film Center. We're going to watch a video, then we're going to watch some movies. So until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Say it with us. Stay frightful, my friends. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Roll it. <laughs>